it is hard to put on events, Mm -hmm. but you need to know what you're doing Mm -hmm. and you need to have a serious plan and you need to be willing to empty every single chamber in order to fill an event. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I am jacked for today's episode because I'm going to sit down with my beautiful wife. These episodes are always the most popular ones that we release. And it's because we wanted to get together and talk about what we see is going to be the single biggest trend of 2020. Now, keep in mind, we are in fall of 2019. And you have enough time to prepare and and get a little piece of what Lori and I think is the single biggest trend for 2020. Now, uh, spoiler alert, it has to do with uh, doing your own events or attending events. Um, And we tell really funny stories about, oh God, some of the disastrous events that we did in the beginning where we lost a lot of money on or where we sold tickets to an event and couldn't find a venue or like the one time that Lori had to use the bathroom so bad from stage that she got off stage to go... Do the, you know use the bathroom and like don't worry we get into some really hilarious details and even how when she started throwing her own events she was the person who would start to black out and panic and started crying the very first time she had to speak in front of a microphone so like she's come so far anyhow we're going to empower you we're going to inspire you and we're going to share with you the reasons why and the secrets of what is about to become the single biggest trend in 2020 and if you don't have a piece of it you're going to be missing out. So get ready because this episode, like all the other ones I do with Lori, is absolutely remarkable. Hey, babe. Welcome to the show. Oh, this is awesome. You know what? I'm really excited to be like just on your show. I love when we do this because number one, they're the most popular episodes. And number two, it's fun just to rift with you. But we're not rifting today. We're actually talking about something really important. This is so important and I'm so excited about it. Okay. So I love having you on. And listen, uh, the the thing that we're going to talk about today is the one trend that will dominate 2020. Like We feel like we have a duty to tell other people what this Mm -hmm. trend is going to be and to even help them like execute on this trend. But before we do that, on my show, I make people do rapid fire to warm them up. Oh, I love questions. All right. Rapid. Ready? Here we go. Rapid. Where'd you grow up? Market, Michigan. Where do you live now besides in my house? In your house, <laughs> Santa your Monica, favorite, California. What's your favorite quote? Oh, man, really? My favorite quote? You know what? It might be the Tim Ferriss quote about the level of success that you have can be determined by the number of tough conversations that oh, you're willing to I have. I love that. And hasn't that been true in our life? Huh? Oh, my God. Isn't that the truth? Okay. What's one of your superpowers? Facilitating. Totally. Connecting people. Totally. You're so good at it. What's one of your favorite books besides your own? By the way, everybody go get A Tribe Called Bliss. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, so many good books. Oh, I. you know what? All I can think of right now that I just felt like soul food was Oprah's uh, first book. Can't mm. remember the name of it. Wait, her first book? Yeah. She's got two out now. Oh, the one that we read together? Yeah. What was that called? 
Um, what I Know For Sure by Oprah. Yeah, What I Know For Sure. See, I have a million favorite books, but that one just actually felt like fun and nurturing and brilliant. That was I don't a good know. book. That book was timely for us. Can't say it's my favorite. But... All right. A few more here. What's one thing you're challenged by right now? Mm, just always next levels. Definitely challenged by... Uh, we are you know, starting the new company. So I'm really challenged by learning, just having to learn everything about what it looks like to run a company and to raise money. I was so scared that you were going to say me. <laughs> What's one of your all-time favorite accomplishments so far besides marrying me? Mm. All-time fit. These are hard. Do other people yeah, they pause right on out. these? No, no they don't. They pause. <laughs> all-time favorite accomplishment. It's just such a weird question to ask right now where I'm like really trying to be present and grateful for everything that I get to do. Oh, so that's kind of it. All-time greatest accomplishment is truly that I'm learning how to make, truly make the journey the accomplishment. Mm, I love that. Okay, two more. What's something generous you've done recently? Anything? Mm, well, we're always doing something. Donated to Pencils of Promise. Yep. Or bought a boat for the family. Bought a boat for the family. <laughs> we left in Wisconsin for the family. Uh-huh. I love it. Okay. And last but not least, what are you grateful for today? Oh, well, I mean, honestly, I'm just going to say I'm grateful for you today because you're leaving tomorrow for a week. So I, I hate it. I hate it. So I'm super grateful to you guys. We be spending hate this time each other. We're kind of weird I as a couple. It. We've been married 14 years as of last week and we hate not being together. It's weird. It's bizarre. Well, we're it's good. We just enjoy each other and we work apart all day long. So it's not that weird to want to be together. Yep. And we're just, I don't know, we're twins. What's the, what's the made for each other? MFEO. You used what to get it wrong all the time. I used to say MFOE. MFOE. <laughs> made for other each. And I was like, do you know you've been saying it wrong, right? <laughs> all right. We're being losers right now. So let's get into the subject that I wanted to interview you on because you're an expert in the subject. And that is this. The one trend that will dominate in 2020. And this is a trend whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're somebody who's going to tap into this trend. You want to reveal what the trend is that's going to dominate 2020? I do want to reveal it because I want everybody to be a part of it if they're feeling the call because I felt the call. So the trend for 2020 is going to be events, whether it's large events, um, whether it's small events, retreats, masterminds, workshops, um, you know, small get-togethers, whatever that looks like, it's going to be uh, networking events, anything to get people back together because we are inundated online and yep. people are craving in-person connection more than ever. And it's really the place that you learn the most and that you experience the biggest shifts. It's where we experience the biggest shift. So for me, uh, live events have been absolutely life-changing and transformational. It's where we can pretty much trace back all of our pivotal turning moments to. Because mm -hmm. um, you kind of can't do those big shifts just in your house. They'd already be happening. Yep, exactly. So... I really want people to grasp this. Like, if you're like, oh, this doesn't interest me, events. No, trust me. This is going to be interesting to you because whether it's for you to attend, and we're going to talk about that, or whether it's for you to put your own on, and we're mm -hmm. really going to talk about that, you're going to see this trend of everybody doing events in 2020 like you've never seen before for the reasons that Lori just gave you. It's so like on trend that Tony Robbins and Dean Graciosi have made it their single largest business model 
they launched their train the trainer for masterminds and events online. It's just an mm-hmm. online training. And they launch it at the end of this year because they know next year is the year that we'll see more events than anybody else. And quite honestly, deservedly so. For the reason that you said, where we're spending too much time connecting on our phones Mm -hmm. and we need to connect in person again. Um, But more importantly than that, we've never lived in a time where so many people have so much to say. And I am of the mind that they deserve to say it. Like they deserve to have a platform, whether it's a big event, a little event, a mastermind, you know, in front of 10,000 people or in front of 10 people, doesn't matter. People need to get their message out there because somebody needs to hear it. And there's so many... What I want to say about events is when people are thinking about events, it's not just the big events. That's actually not one of the biggest things I feel like people are necessarily craving right now. I think they do want to go to those, but I think that they also want those, you know two-day or three-day experiences or one-week experiences or two-week experiences where they really drop in and get connected and get to know people. I also think that there is so much white space right now just to keep it small and stay in your community and do like a a man's dinner, a woman's dinner, or just a couple's dinner where maybe it's networking and every you know once a month or once every three months, you actually charge for this group that gets together and you curate something and you facilitate an actual experience. I think we're so missing that in so many areas throughout the country. Um, I know that LA has things like this all of the time in different groups that people stay plugged into. If you want to know what we're doing in these big cities, you know, uh, on the different coasts, uh, um, LA, New York, a lot of people are staying plugged in through things like this. And yes, you are either paying a fee or you're paying for the dinner, whatever that looks like. But there is so much room for this, you guys. Uh, uh, being an entrepreneur is so on the rise right now and having your own business is just like, you, there are going to be so many more people this next year who have a business, which means they will need to plug in. Now, this does not mean that you also have to be somebody who has a crazy successful business. This means you need to be someone who can connect the people and create an experience for them to be able to either drop in, uh, get connected back to themselves, get connected back to each other. Um, you know, really, you can connect them to whatever type of experience that they're craving. And I'll tell you that business people don't just need business advice. They need life advice. They need life connection in order to maintain and grow their business. They have to make sure that the human is connected and has a place to grow as well. And you can be that person that can provide that for whomever that is. You know, is this is this mommy meetups? Is this, you know, I know for you, Chris, you do a lot of guys' dinners. Yeah, I do the men's influencer events. They yeah. changed my life. Other people's life totally too. But changed your me life. as a host who puts them together, it's literally changed mm-hmm. my life because I put together what I needed. Mm-hmm. I built what I needed. So to that note, speaking of building what you wish existed. You said it. We're spoiled here in California. And people in New York, they're pretty spoiled. Like connecting in person in New York, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to everybody who is sandwiched in between those two coasts. Um, There's not enough going on. I get DMs every day. Like, where where should I find a men's influencer dinner? Well, the answer is you should start it. So Mm -hmm. for women, same thing. Like start a dinner with with Tribe. Oh, how do I um, find one of those motivational events or one of those weekends out by me. Start it. Mm-hmm. That's the answer. And the reason why you're you know, in between the coast, why you're not seeing a lot of these is because there's this huge white space, like you mentioned, where it's begging for somebody to start it. Small mm-hmm. events that are 15 people for dinner, 
medium-sized events that are 50 people for one day or an afternoon or one evening, larger events where it's one to 250 people for a, a two to a two and a half day thing, or grand scale events. I would, I would call that anything over a thousand people. Mm-hmm. You know, you see like Angie Lee, she's got 1500 at her second event ever. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Angie, by the way. That's so cool. It doesn't matter what size you're craving, create what you wish existed, especially between the coasts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's opportunity just like sitting there, low hanging fruit waiting to happen. And I'm just waiting to see who grabs these opportunities and not only changes lives, but makes a lot of money doing it. You know, something that's coming up for me is you might be listening to this thinking that you don't, maybe you don't have the audience for it. And here's something that I can definitely say is that people wildly underestimate um, what it means to just start small. In fact, for most people, I would tell them to start small and test the waters of what it looks like to put together an event, what you even want out of an event. I'll tell you when I started doing events, it was like small group things. And I'm so glad that I did those before I just threw out a 200-person event because what I'm seeing so much of right now, unfortunately, is that people want a big event. So they go for you know 100 or 200 or 300 right off the bat and they've never done one before and they don't book enough time and they haven't researched it. They don't even know if their people want an event. And then they're wondering why it's not filling. And something I also want to share, something that we're going to um, talk about a lot more, especially as I you know share more about what I'm doing, is it is hard to put on events, mm-hmm. but you need to know what you're doing mm-hmm. and you need to have a serious plan. And you need to be willing to empty every single chamber in order to fill an event. Like people don't understand that an event is much like doing an e-course or a launch or starting a business. That is essentially what you're starting, an events business. And you have to be willing, especially on that first one, to get so sweaty. Mm-hmm. Because you're putting something out there new that's never been out there before. So even sometimes when I'm doing a small event, I'm like, oh my God, did I really just work that hard to get 10 people at this dinner? My God. Yes, you did. And word of mouth is going to help you with your next one. Yeah, because that 10-person dinner turns into 20, the very next one. Mm -hmm. Because then everybody gets FOMO and they say, wait, why wasn't I invited? Right. But you have to teach them how to make sure people get FOMO. So what can happen too is you're like, wait, I see this all the time too. Okay, I had, you know, 100 people at my first event. Now the second one should just fill. No, no, no. That is all planning by making sure that you sell for that next event at that particular event. And then you have to have a serious plan along the way, whether that's an influencer campaign, whether that's you giving away free tickets by you asking them to share your event, whether that's you going to a bunch of different companies and saying, you know, if I give you X amount of tickets, are you willing to share or email your list or what does this look like? There's so much that goes into it that yes, you are so capable of, but it's important to learn that when you see a full event, it is because there's so much strategy going on in the background um, in order for that event to fill. There's a, there's a formula to it. Yes. And, and you can get the formula. It's very easy, but there's a formula to that type of success. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to be transparent for a moment and then I'm going to tell you why. So the other day you asked me, you said, Hey, Chris, would you mind adding up how much we've made on live events of any kind that we've done? So your Bliss Project and Masterminds and the dinners and stuff like that. So I went back, I added up, and I realized we've made over $4 million in the last six to seven years just on 
events, Mm -hmm. in-person events alone, just on events alone. Now, I say that to number one, catch your attention if you're listening. So there's a lot of money in events when you crack the code and you learn to get this right and you do it consistently. But I also bring this up because that's one of the reasons why we're seeing everyone just come right out of the gate saying, ooh, I want an event. It's going to be 250 people and it's going to be over here. It's going to be that because they think it's going to be a giant profit center. And it doesn't start that way. No. I would say 95% of people cannot start on a grand scale unless for some reason they had a grand audience that's already used to buying from them. So I bring this up, number one, to motivate you. Mm-hmm. A lot of money in events, and it's not even the biggest trend yet. In 2020, it's going to be the biggest trend. But then the flip side, to warn you not to just dive right in when you don't know how to swim yet. So I'm framing this so that you can tell me, Lori, what it's like for your very first event. I want you to go back to the first Bliss Project or even one before that. And I want you to describe just how small we got started. We didn't start with $4 bucks overnight. Mm-mm. Well... Thinking back to the very first Bliss Project, it wasn't like it was our first event. So we had a lot of experience with small events under our belt, whether that was our network marketing events. So we had we had a pretty good idea of just like, you know, how do we want to book a room? Okay, how much should we spend on a room? Okay, we're really aware that we could lose X amount of dollars um, if we don't fill the room with this many people. Like we were really working within a budget of we really want to hit this or we are not even going to break even. And I went into it with the idea of just praying to break even, you guys. Literally, that was it. I was like, I don't even know if or how this is going to profit, but I am going to say a prayer and I am just going to try to hit this number. I think our number was 200 for the first time that we were trying to hit. For the first Bliss Project? Yep, that was our goal and we didn't hit it. We didn't hit it and I gave away so many free tickets, you guys. Mm -hmm. So many free tickets. Um, I was a message warrior. I was on Facebook Live every single day for, I think, I don't know if it was that year or mm-hmm. or what, but like definitely three months beforehand, every single day talking about the Bliss Project. I was teaching, I was doing something teachable, and then I would share that I had this event because people didn't know me to do events. So why in the heck are they coming or flying across you know, to California to come to this three-day event they know nothing about that has a higher ticket price? So um, hustled, just hustled so hard. And I got to be honest, I prayed and meditated every day. I probably spent 30 minutes every day in prayer and meditation, picturing that room full and then getting online and just doing whatever I could to get the word out. What was it like? What were you feeling during that very first event? I mean, I know, but describe to the listeners. During it or when I was trying to fill it? When you said, okay, I'm going to do this event and you're trying to put it together. Oh my God. Honestly, I went from complete elation to complete panic, anxiety, fear, all out tears. I remember. I'm going to fail. I'm going to lose all of our money. I, I would spiral out. And then my only choice would be like, you don't have a choice. That So this is what I always talk about with like putting money down. Now, would I recommend for people to do what I did? Not necessarily unless they had done as many events as as we had done at that point. Um, small events. Yep. But they were nothing like that. We weren't even like charging for most of those. Nope. So, but it was it was complete. I would go in massive fear and then I would have to come out. I'd have to pray my way out. 
um, and just have full faith that I knew I'd have to go back to the initial vision and the initial feeling that I knew I was supposed to be on stage and have an event and share my message. Like I've just always known it. But then all of a sudden, what will happen is you're like, yes, I know this. And then the rug gets pulled out from under you and you literally just feel like, who are you to do this? This is this is crazy. No one's going to show up. You're going to lose everything. You're going to fail. And then you just decide again that you're not going to let that happen because you're going to do all that you can and you're going to make the best of it. And you get to this place where you're like, okay, even if 10 people are in this giant room, I'm going to give all that I can and there's going to be a learning lesson for me and I'm going to just figure out how I'm going to replace that money because that's what I do and I'm going to keep moving. So, okay. For the record, we barely lost money on the very first Bliss Project. Like Lori kicked and bit and scratched oh her way God. to getting... What was it? Like 156 people, I think, ended <sighs> you up guys, checking I in. was like going to stores here. I was going to Lululemons and Lorna Jane's. I was literally like walking into everything. places and being like, hi, I have an event. We had so many weird flyers. Like I had a, a bunch of like random flyers with like just really bad pictures on them. Yep. Okay. So we lost a little bit of money, but not much. Uh, I'm going off of memory. I think we lost something like 10 or 11 grand on that first one. So... Not bad for a, our first large-scale event. But do you remember getting our butts kicked with the event right after that one that we came up with? Oh, yeah. We lost a lot of money. Okay, so <laughs> go ahead and share with them. What did we, we finished that first Bliss Project. We're like, oh, this is okay. amazing. Let's so do... So there's something very real after an event that comes that is called the event high. And you just think that you had people show up and now you're going to have a winning streak. And so we were like, oh my God, this was amazing. Everybody loved it. They all said that they want to come again and do X, Y, and Z. Like everybody's telling you what you want to hear, right? And this was life-changing and everybody needs this. So you're like, oh my God, everybody needs this. They must need it right now. So we decided to do something called a day of bliss. And we went to Chicago and it was probably, let's see, March, April, May. It was only like two or three months later. Yeah, it was only a few months later. And this is so fun, you guys. Like When I say you need to learn what you're doing before you just like ready, fire, aim, you oh, really God. need to learn what you're doing because we ready, fired, aimed instead of ready, aim, fire. And we said, we're going to do Day of Bliss in Chicago and everyone's going to love it. And so we booked it only a few months out. We picked a date. We announced the date. We booked a venue. And when we went to book a venue, we're like, why is it so hard to find a venue? I mean, Chicago's massive. Why are they all sold out? Because it was, for those of you that don't know, Chicago is the home of the food industry's biggest annual meeting of the year. It's one week long and it's for food companies from all over the world and they all converge on Chicago for one week. Oh yeah. And so every venue was booked or overpriced like insane, double or triple the rates. I don't know if you're telling them what we did that we announced yeah. where it was. Yeah, we, we said where it was like it's in tickets. Chicago and we sold tickets. So we couldn't change sold the date. We couldn't go back. to something that we didn't have a venue to yet. So we had all of these tickets, had the date, and then we didn't have a venue. So we had to pay through the nose for this venue. Like, it, oh my we God, learned how much did lesson. we end up paying? Okay, so for one day, they charged us. Remember, just one day, not the normal three-day bliss ride. For one day, they charged us 25000 bucks for the venue alone. Oh my God. But then do you remember what happened with audio video? Yep. Okay. There's another thing you have to learn when you're doing events. Some cities um, are union cities where you are forced to use union audio video teams and they gouge you with... You have to have X number of people uh, from the union working there and you have to have... Um, 
they have to have breaks at a certain amount of times and then they have to have people filling in while they're at, like so our audio video budget tripled from the three day event that we held in California for the one day event in Chicago was triple the cost. So the venue was way too expensive and the audio video kicked our butts and we couldn't not do this because we already sold all the tickets. Oh my God. I just remember while that was a great event, it was the biggest learning lesson that we had ever had right down to... I'm not going to share too much, but right down to... This is all of the things that I'm I'm so excited to teach um, and talk about with events... Um, is partially because of everything, uh, is all because of everything we've experienced. But uh, even on that day, I remember right down to like some of my volunteers were fighting yeah. with each other. They and didn't know I, how to choose a good volunteer. And I hadn't like figured out that there was like a vetting process and mm-hmm. that someone needed to actually set rules and standards and guidelines and have a meeting and sit down with them. And, and like, I didn't even know all that stuff. I was... I was just so grateful people showed up that I didn't give them any boundaries. I didn't give them any North Star. I didn't give them any inspiration. And I was like, oh my God, I was so irresponsible with all of it. So it was a disaster. (laughs) Energetically, it was a disaster from a we're not having fun standpoint. It was a disaster. And from a financial standpoint, we lost something like 40, 40, 50,000 loss on that event. That event was actually almost the event that stopped me from doing all events because it was so... It, so bad. It was so bad. Now, nobody in the room knew. Like no one in the room we knew that we had 200 people show up. This. Yeah. So people would think in the, if you're in the room, like, yay, a success. Like it was, it was an amazing event, but there was a lot of little things that were going on. Like there's a couple of things I didn't understand how to manage in the room. And I had a, a few random audience members doing some really strange things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another thing you got to learn when you put on <laughs> events, how to handle how to, audience members. How to handle people in the audience, how to handle the energy in the room. Um, you know, how to say things eloquently to people. Like I remember... Can you please share one funny thing that an audience member did or bizarre thing? Well, I'll share one thing that I didn't even understand would be a trigger. But apparently I had asked people to only go to the bathroom on breaks and the way that I said it offended some people. So three people got up and left and said it was because I told them I couldn't go to the bathroom during session. And I was like, oh, Like they felt okay. scared and trapped. Yeah. So they literally got up in a huff. Like I saw the three of them get up and leave. And I was like, okay, interesting. So there's even certain things about, you know, how you're saying certain things and however that looks. I I still don't know how I said it that it offended them, but maybe that was also for me. Who knows? And oh, the biggest thing though. I had taken pictures with every single person there. And normally that doesn't necessarily bother me because now I know what to do. I actually learned what to do from Gabrielle Bernstein. But the next day, I was so energetically zapped because I was hugging everyone. I was pouring into them. I was you know, having conversations. I was trying to answer all of their questions. I was letting them just kind of like tell me all their stories. And I was soaking them all in because I was so in it. I wanted to be that person for them that like could really help them or like really saw them at the event. And you guys, I woke up the next day and I couldn't move. I was crying. I, for some reason, felt like... It was like instant I was flu so or depressed. something. I was so depressed. I was so sick. I was like, I can't ever do this again. I'll never be able to handle this again. Well, I'm an empath and mm-hmm. I did not protect my energy. I did not. Um, I I gave way too much for what I'm capable of doing. Um, I was way too open. I let people kind of just like I, I didn't have any boundaries, and it wasn't their fault. 
It's because truly, now I understand how to keep a line going. I understand that I can't actually listen to every personal story. It's too much for one human. Now, some people can, like they're so good at that. But for me, in order to do this type of work, for most people, if you're listening who are feeling called to this, in order to be able to do this, you really have to learn how to protect yourself and nurture yourself and take care of yourself. And, you know, like Chris, I wasn't even eating super well during Mm. these because you're like, you know, you're not paying attention to what you, oh my God. And just like so much caffeine and just, I just was not taking care of myself um, leading up to it either. And just, there's so much that you need to learn about when you're doing events that you don't even realize. So I don't want people like end the podcast right here, be like, oh, doom and gloom. No, So it's fast amazing. forward, you know, now we've been doing the Bliss Project along with several other types of events, but just Bliss Project alone, this one that she's describing. Are we in our seventh year? Going into our seventh year. Yeah. That's wild. And it um, eighth, but maybe not. No, it's going into our seventh year. Okay. And now we've got it down to a formula from the profitability standpoint. Matter of fact, I'll share it. I'm going to be very transparent because that's what we do here. Um, so for those of you that have come to the Bliss Project, and you see all the grand production, and, and we have 500 women that show up from eight different countries now in the whole year. Our budget on that is about $115,000 to put that on. Our revenue, meaning ticket sales, is between 300 and 350,000. So now we've turned it into a really nice profit center. And then on the back end, if you learn how to do events right, you sell another 50% of revenue. So 50% of what you sold in ticket sales, you sell another 50% of that number. On the back end. If you get really good. Well, that's the key. You have to learn how to get good at doing that. So now we've turned it into a great profit center and you will too, but it took repetition. I wanted you to hear like the disastrous nightmares that our first couple of ones were because you can't figure it out on your own. I also want to share with that that people don't share with you. You might hear, you know, profit center, which is so beautiful. You're gonna, you can make insane profit on events, especially if you really focus on sales. But people are also aren't telling you how much, you know, of the year they're spending yep. on planning. Like our team literally spends, you know, six months out of the year. Every single week Having planning this or getting calls. swag or calls or so technically what people aren't seeing is all of the, all the time salaries and, and all salaries that. that go into that number. So yes, I just want to be so transparent because I want everyone to know you're absolutely going to be able to make money. It's especially if you learn how to sell for your next event or from the back end or whatever that looks like. And here's why that is such a gift. So the reason that it's so important to learn how to really sell people on the back end, and and this is probably one of the most vital things about live events is because they go there for the transformation. And they go when they go there, they're completely cracked open. And what happens for people who are ready for that next phase, what happens is they're going to take it with anyone or they're going to go find what that next phase is. And sometimes it's with amazing people. And sometimes they make amazing decisions and they get their next step and they get their next coach. But sometimes what happens is if you don't offer something, they're asking at your event. So they'll ask a participant who maybe isn't ready, but is like, hey, I I could coach you or whatever that looks like. And that's fine. But they're what I'm saying is they are looking. They're looking for what their next step should be. So when I do an event, I am typically planning what their next step is if they are ready. So it's vital that you give them their next step because they're going to go and find it with somebody. And we learned that the hard way, by the way. So 
our very first one, we didn't have anything to sell from mm-hmm. the back of the room because, well, it never crossed our minds. And the reason why we learned this was how many messages did you get like a week later where they're like, I got back into my normal life and and lost everything I learned, or I got back into my normal life and sabotaged everything. Oh, they were like, what do I do now? What do I do now? I'm yeah. different. I don't know what my next steps are. I don't know how to do this. They didn't know how to maintain it, the, yeah. the feeling and the lesson. So we literally, I remember looking at you like, oh, we messed up. We have an obligation to give them like tools and courses and things to leave with to keep it going. Yep. And, and- that... That's Even just connection with each other. like, And that's the important thing is learning. Like, it, it, If you're about to have an event and you're like, oh crap, I didn't do this. Oh, okay, here's the deal. Even just making sure that you give them a way to connect with each other, whether that's facilitated groups through Facebook or whether that's telling them, okay, go meet three people and these are the people you're going to stay in contact with or whatever that looks like. like. You're just trying to make sure that these people have a place and people to stay connected to, facilitating that. That's why as someone who has any event or any dinner or any retreat, like facilitate their next steps among the people who are already there. All right. I want you to speak to everybody who knows deep down that they have a good message that should be shared and that people need their message or those people aren't going to get the help that they need. So like they know they're ready to do an event. They've probably been wanting to do one for a couple of years, but they're scared. What are the biggest fears or what are the biggest limiting situations that hold people back from events, from doing their own? I think the biggest things that hold people back from not doing events is they think that they're they don't know enough. They think that they are not ready and they think that they're not as good as X Y and Z. And they have that person in their head who they think they're holding on a pedestal and they're like I'm not as good of a speaker or I'm not as good as this or I don't think I'm going to be able to attract these people or whatever that looks like. But the thing is is that you have to. If it's in your heart, you absolutely know that you will not feel fulfilled or you will not feel complete until you do an event or a retreat or a mastermind or a trip or whatever it is. Maybe you put on epic experiences for people. Maybe you want to take people on trips. Maybe you want to facilitate connection. Maybe you're awesome with vision board parties. Maybe you work somewhere. Maybe maybe you work at like a Lululemon and you are wanting to put together experiences for your team or for the people there. And you see a white space where you could start creating something in your workspace right now and potentially get paid for it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you see a place where you could put on an event and um, have people be able to experience something they've never experienced before. It's so important that people have a tangible way to experience your brand. So if you're a coach, if you're an author, if you are an influencer, if you are you know anything where you're selling online or teaching through books or through podcasts, if you're a podcaster, mm-hmm. we live in a day and age where people need at least once a year to have a tangible touch point where they come see, feel, and touch your message in person, not just online. Now, to the extent, those of you that listen to this podcast on a regular basis, you know, about a month ago, I had uh, one of my friends on named Randy Garn, great guy, really successful, sold three big companies already. He's one of the co-founders of Prosper Magazine. He said this, and if you listen to the episode, you heard him say this, we are now moving into the experiential economy. And anybody that has an online brand without an experiential aspect to it, meaning a mastermind, an event, a get-together, a retreat, whatever it might be, 
anyone who does not have an experiential event, their business is going to flatline or go backwards because we're moving into the experiential economy right now. So it's, it's becoming a make or break thing. Mm. I think that people, you know, I think that my brand has exponentially grown since they've been able to be in a room with me and just like talk. Mm-hmm. That's the craziest thing is looking back. I used to think that I had to be this guru in order to facilitate an event. And while, yes, I did go to a train the trainer certification program for three weeks, I definitely have learned that as many of the things that I learned, the most like the biggest thing that I use is how to connect other people mm-hmm. in the room, how to run the room. It's not even about me. Oh my God, it's not even about me. I get up there and I basically just share that I'm just as nervous as everyone else in there. I call out all the different emotions in the room and then I have them share how they feel with each other. Mm -hmm. And magic starts to happen from that simple thing. Would you expand on that for a moment, by the way? Because I actually wanted to ask you, everybody that has only discovered us in the past few years, they think that you've always been Lori the way they know Lori today, this confident you know, well-spoken, incredible person that does events and speaks all in front of 10,000 people. And only, can you please, please, please take them back and remind them where you started right before your first event? There's two trainings. And I remember one of them, you hid in the back of the room the whole time. <laughs> well, we did Landmark Forum. That was one. Is that one you're thinking? No, David's Train the Trainer Weekend. Uh-huh. So, well, Landmark Forum, I remember we went to, first of all, and I, the first two days, I was like, I don't know if this can help my panic attacks and anxiety. That's why we went to Landmark. And it was finally, I think it was day three, and the trainer on the microphone, we probably had 100 people in the room. And he was like, if there is anyone in here who has not gotten their um, popping moment, he called it. So if you haven't gotten your like big aha or your breakthrough that you need to come up to the microphone right now. Okay, well, I was I started blacking out. Mm-hmm. I was getting a panic attack and I ran up to the microphone and I said, I haven't gotten a breakthrough. I have terrible panic attacks. And then I started crying. I thought you were going to pass out. Yeah, well, I was blacking out while standing in front of this room of 100 and I started crying. I just started crying. Like I broke down crying and didn't say any words. And he was like, just let me, he just let me cry up there. And he was like, okay, look around. You're safe. Like everybody wants to support you. I was so embarrassed. But then I had this moment of like, okay, it started to wash over me. Like the anxiety started to wash over me. And I could like started to come to and could see people's faces. And then he asked me a few questions. And just that simple experience of him keeping me on the microphone and talking me through it, I was like, oh, I had one. Listen, this is so important. I now had one tangible reference point where I didn't. Die. Mm-hmm. Evidence. <laughs> Where that you I didn't die. pass out. And I took all of that evidence and I applied it to everything else. So then the second one, I went to it like another train the speaker program. Yep. How to be a better speaker. How to stage. be a better speaker. And I hid in the room and, and the trainer knew it. Where he, the whole purpose, by the way, was to get reps up on a stage. Oh my God. He kept on trying to get me up on stage and I just kept hiding. Like he would ask like, okay, if you don't willingly do it, you're going to end up coming up. Well, one by one, everyone willingly did it. I was like the last person to do it. And I went up there and just like freaked out again. But I did it. I don't remember even what I said to you. I don't remember what you said, but I remember him teaching you the exercise of planting your feet. Oh, and yeah. I still catching use that. your breath. Mm-hmm. 
and being able to hold the space and that you don't have to get up there and start talking in the first few seconds Mm -hmm. and really claiming your space to control yourself and control the room. And that was a game changer for you. Oh yeah, I still use so many of those. That and that's something that I always, when people are about to have events that they've never had, I'm like, do you have? Do, let's jump on the phone. I'm gonna share some really secret, amazing. They're not even secret, but they're so freaking amazing that have completely rocked my world. So there's actually things that you can do in order to completely um, change your state and. Get a grip while you're up there because I'm telling you, if you start out on that foot of freak out, it's hard to get that back. So there are some things that can make you feel extremely grounded up there. Um, and, and Chris, you and I both have pre-stage, some pretty intense pre-stage rituals mm-hmm. that we do um, in order to get up there. And I, if I did not do those, I don't think that I would be able to complete or complete what I want to say or even be present for what I want to say. No, not at all. And then you had a third training. That was the three-week train the trainer that you went to. And that became the, the ultimate like final details you needed to put on Bliss, right? Oh my God. So that one was amazing. That was by Jack Canfield. And that was um, an intensive. It was three weeks of... You know, it's a spread throughout the year of incredible trainings where you learned uh, tons of connection exercises. You learned massive, you know, facilitation exercises. Uh, you learned how to teach visualization. You learned how to teach meditation. You learned how to um, drop in with people. You learned how to make the, you know, connect the room, how to have people share, how to have people go through their own exercise, literally everything, how to manage the energy of the room before people are in the room. Really, really interesting. Uh, so that was, I mean, that's how I run my events now. Just especially from the hundreds of events that we've been to, taken all of the just different things that I've loved and put them all into one one event. Okay, so clearly being afraid is not an excuse. It's something that you can put. I just wanted you guys to understand that this was the woman who cried and almost passed out. It was blacking out the first time she had to speak in front of somebody, and now you know has all these events. So if Remember this is how you, psycho, I would be just real quick before because we used to do network marketing events almost every weekend for yep. a while. Do you remember how crazy I would be for like even days before I would do them? And you'd be like, what's wrong? And I'd be like, I'm just so nervous. And then mornings of, I wouldn't talk to you and I had a stomach ache and I was always afraid I was going to have diarrhea. Can we tell them the Detroit story? Oh my God. Tell them the Detroit story. You guys, they were announcing, we were were supposed to speak in front of about 400 people. And they were literally announcing, we're standing backstage off to the side and they're like, you know, when they go through your accolades and, and like, you know, what you, whatever, your stats. And they're like, and welcome to the stage. And Lori, while they're doing this, she goes to me, she goes, I have got to go to the bathroom. Like <laughs> gritting her teeth. And I'm like, I go, I literally remember being saying, be an adult, hold it. He literally said to me, be an adult, hold it. And, and she, I was like, oh my God, we were traveling. I hadn't gone to the bathroom in like two days. And we're talking three number days. two here. Oh, like a big number two. God. <laughs> And so I, I literally said to her, I go, I'm, it took me a while to, to not be in the doghouse. So I go, be an adult and hold it. That's my best advice in a moment because uh-huh. they're like, we're going up there in, in 10 seconds. And so... I was freaking out. I was panicking and sweating. We went up there. She's panicking and sweating. And about 10 minutes in after we taught a little bit, there was a point where we showed a sizzle reel, like a movie. It was five minutes? For or about five minutes. minutes. Yeah. I think it was five. And without telling me or anything, but of course I knew why, when the lights went out and the sizzle reel went on, Lori stepped off stage and ran to the bathroom. Ran to the bathroom. While he was up on stage, had my mic on. I didn't I knew know when enough, she would be back on time or anything. Knew enough to mute it and came back and was 
just fine. Seamless. Like got back right before the end of it. Spoke for the rest of the hour. So you know what? God, universe always provides. You'll be just fine. (laughs) One more piece of evidence that you're going to be just fine even in the worst of situations. Worst case scenario, you're going to just say that you need to go. So listen, having to go to the bathroom or being scared are not excuses to you guys not doing your own events. What about the time that I... I'll just share one more because this all of this stuff is very real and it happens. Yep. Um, when we were speaking at Thrive and I had the flu, oh, literally yeah. I was puking. Last year. And had a fever 2, right 500 up 2,500 entrepreneurs had a huge opportunity. Right up until... And I just... I rallied. I was like, Lord, you have to take the wheel on this one because I cannot let these people down. And you know what? You guys, she was really sick. The like, second I stepped on stage, the worst flu I started ever to feel a little bit better. My adrenaline kicked in. And then it was like 15 minutes after I stepped on st- yep. off stage, got super sick again, went and threw up. Yep. You guys, I'm telling you, I'd never been so proud. She had been throwing up like nonstop for a day and a half leading up to it in the hotel where we're getting ready in Las Vegas to speak. And somehow I remember saying to you, I said, hey, I'll do the whole thing myself. No problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, figured out how I was going to kind of like take over your parts and, and had it all figured out. And 10 minutes before, do you remember? 10 minutes before you're like, let me try one more time. And you like slopped your makeup on a little bit mm-hmm. and like barely made it down there doing the grandma shuffle. And you, all of a sudden you powered through. And I was like, oh my. I remember the first couple of minutes on stage, I was like, I don't know if she's going to make it or not. And I, I had all these contingency plans. <laughs> and when I could tell that you got into your groove, I could tell all of a sudden adrenaline had taken over. Mm-hmm. But you're right, right? 15 minutes after we got off that stage, right back to puking. You know what's so crazy? The reason that we're telling these stories is because these things happen mm-hmm. and it's going to be okay. And I think that the biggest thing is that I knew that this happened for other people too, because I'd been asking questions long enough. I had known, I had talked to people who came before who said, you know what? Number one, you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Number two, you have backup plans. Number three, maybe you do have a three or five minute little thing that you play, or maybe you have an exercise. Like now I know if I have to go to the bathroom, guess what I'm going to do? Make them do an exercise. I'm going to make them do an exercise. And I'm going to be like, okay, now you're going to partner share for three or five minutes while I go freaking puke my brains out. <laughs> and then I'll be right back. But, but you got to know these you things. You have to know these things. It's so important. So I also knew enough that people have told me like, you know what? If you're really sick and adrenaline kicks in and you're willing to go up there, nine times out of 10, like 99% mm-hmm. of the time, your adrenaline will take over and you'll be okay for a window. Yep. And I was like, I'm just, I am having faith that that window's coming for me. So um, what I'm saying is you need, if you are going to do events or you have the call for it, definitely just start just start connecting with people who've done them before or learning from people who have done them before. I have one more um, kind of, well, I don't know, let's call it a shift in events that I want to talk to you about. So right now, I'm seeing this crazy divide, this crazy dichotomy between the haves and the have-nots, I call them. And what I mean by that is, is this. Because events are trending upward so quickly, I have never known so many people in my life who are already putting on their own events. And I applaud them for that. Like That's awesome. Pick the venue, create your message, put on the event. But I... Well, remember last night, I laid awake all night Mm because I was thinking about all these events that aren't filling. I'm seeing, let's say, two-thirds of people not be able to fill their events. And I'm watching one-third fill them, no problem. Like Angie Lee putting 1,500 people in there, no problem. Bliss Project, we sell out each year, no problem. There's all sorts of people I could list right now that they're crushing their events every time they put out. Rachel Hollis, they sell thousands in 20 minutes. Lindsay Schwartz just sold out. Lindsay Schwartz just sold out her event. So I'm watching a third of my friends and acquaintances 
absolutely crushed the event game. And then I'm watching two-thirds step into their power, do the brave thing, but absolutely fall flat on their face when it comes to filling their event. Well, they're, they're missing a plan. They're missing a plan. And so talk to people about what you think separates the people who follow their calling and turn it into a success and those who follow their calling and can't fill their event and lose all their money. Well... Here's the thing. I even think following your calling in the beginning for a lot of these people is that's the journey that they called in. Oh, uh, lesson. That, that's the lesson they called in was to have a plan, right? Because you and I called in the lesson mm-hmm. to have plans. Why? Because we teach people now how to plan because we didn't plan. So um, while it's like, I wish their events were filling, I also know that if this is the direction they want to go, their next one's will most likely fill if they have a good plan and they execute on that plan. So I want to say, I think the biggest thing is, yes, I think that there's such an important part of take the leap. Absolutely aim high. But at the same time, don't gamble with money that you don't have to lose. That's all it is with events. Don't gamble with money that you don't have to lose. So if you're like, oh my God, I want an event, but I just invested my life savings, like please, for the love, do not do that. Start small. Start small. Because you guys, events can be insanely profitable sometimes when they're really small. Like honestly, more profitable. So big events are great, but you guys, that's not necessarily the aim whatsoever. Maybe you want like a four-person retreat that you have people pay more money for. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you do retreats uh, once a month that are maybe not even super yeah. high priced, but you are more frequent with a small amount of people that you're doing this retreat model a with. 30, like, a 30 person event that's just higher ticket. Like there's yeah. so many ways to not break the bank and to be more profitable. And, and oh my goodness, trade. Uh, try to find people who are willing to really either trade space for maybe you're willing to shout them out for something or find people who are willing to really bargain mm-hmm. with you on the event space. You guys, if it's your first event, go as bare bones as possible. Do not compare yourself to someone who has a big budget for an event, like, you know, whomever. But can we please say everything's negotiable? Like if we if we gave them any tip to help their events right now, bargain on everything. We cut our event costs in half. I mean, the venue, we cut those in half typically from what they quote us. We cut the food down or we shifted all the food and beverage instead of room rental. That's a little hack. We we bargain down the audio video every time about a third. Um, we what else? Our vendors, our everything. We negotiate everything. We save tons of money. And other people, they just walk right in. They're like, "How much is this?" Okay, no problem. How much they is don't that? know because they don't know. They don't know that these hotels and where these venue spaces are usually used to dealing with huge corporations. That just they just say yes. Yep. So uh, and they have so much flexibility they that they don't so tell much you about flexibility. Yeah. So. These are all huge things that we teach um, or that we're going to be teaching. Tell us about that. Okay. Spill the so beans. So the beans have, have been spilled and we are doing a training certification program. Lindsay Schwartz and I have partnered up. We are also bringing with us some incredible experts in their arena along with you and our team. I'll be teaching the finances side of it. You're teaching. We're going to have Nick teach different things. We're going to have our team. We, you know, because... Dakota, how to negotiate spaces. Dakota negotiates spaces and contracts. We are literally covering every single 
thing about events and becoming the most clear, powerful, confident speaker. So this is like a one-two punch. It's not just becoming a confident, powerful speaker who learns all of the hacks and... It's not just learning how to become a confident speaker. You guys, you actually step into the shoes and you become the facilitator in the room. So you will be running visualizations in groups. You will be speaking from stage. You will be sharing stories. You will be running all sorts of different exercises. And so you will actually have those reference points points for when you leave the room. And you'll be learning how to book an event, how to sell your event. What should that verbiage be? What is the flow of your event from start to finish? How do you connect people in the room? What do you do with people when they leave? This is all going to happen in one week. It is a one-week intensive certification program where you will get a certificate at the end saying that you have learned how to do all of these things. You can put that badge on your website. You can let people know that you've gone through a training. Um, You can help other people. Maybe you're an event planner who wants to uh, help different influencers plan events. You have this skill set now that you can literally step into any room. And if you had to, you could facilitate something. You could take over. You could lead a group. You could be on stage. You could. Li- you can literally do anything with these skills. So we're teaching everything and lifting the curtain on everything start to finish for five days straight from how do you structure it to what size should your event be mm-hmm. to what's the financial formula to how to facilitate, how to bust through your fears, all the repetition, what to do in emergencies, what kind of backup plans and redundancies to have. Like We are teaching everything. I'm so proud of you two for putting this together, by the way, because well, the old previous courses that used to kind of piece some of this together, they don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's why the two of you put it together. Yeah. We, when we were sitting there talking about it, we, you know, I love my event more than anything. But the thing I'm feeling so called to right now is to teach people, teach the next generation of leaders and to teach people who already have you know, business models uh, of their own, but they want to add to it or they want to be able to have this like really in-person connection and also have another beautiful way to support themselves and, and make money, make amazing money. So I thought... I want to be working with the leaders. This is where my heart is right now. Like, I want to dive in with these people to give them skills, not only skills, but a way to make extra money to support themselves on whatever it is they want to do next. So, we're talking experts in the expert industry, we're talking authors, we're talking podcasters, we're talking uh, people that want professional speaking careers or get paid for speaking, we're talking um, fitness influencers, fitness influencers, yoga people. Influencers of all kinds. Mm-hmm. We're talking network marketers. Um, we're talking any single type of person with a message. If you don't have an experiential, tangible piece to your business yet, that's who we're teaching. And that's what's missing. Yep. And you will, especially, I have a feeling that if you're listening to this and you're this far in on this podcast, that you have been feeling like you are missing something and you want to be in rooms with people. And you because, deserve to be. Chris, tell me. When we are in rooms at our masterminds, what happens to us? Oh, we change. Even though we're running it, we change. We get on a high. 
we it's the grow most fulfilling from it. thing I've ever experienced. Like I used to think, oh, I just want to do business online or I just want to do podcasting. And I'm like, I am missing the connection with our people. Like I want to know what they're going through. I want to be there. I want to learn what exactly uh, that they're doing and help them through that and connect them to the people in the room. So you guys... Again, this is not about what you know. Of course, it's going to be all of these skills that you're going to learn. It's how to teach them how to connect with each other. Mm -hmm. There is so much gold. And this is is starting to get proven and it's starting to get talked about more and more. We're going to see it more and more and more and more that the magic is actually when everyone comes together. It opens up a channel that we can't open on our own. So even if you think that you're doing awesome work and you're on a lone island, even if you have a little team or whatever that looks like, you're not opening all the channels you could be opening by actually getting in rooms with diverse people. I actually haven't asked you this. So I'm learning for the first time right now too. Are you going to do it again? Have you have you two ladies decided if you're going to do this again? We actually don't know. So it's an experiment. We want to see um we want to see who shows up and we want to see um yeah, we we think that we will, but we don't know. Very cool. All right, so who should be perking up? Who should be excited right now? People who know that they are born to be on stage. People who know that they want to write a book and go on book tours. Podcasters who want to go on a podcast tour or meet with their audiences and be on stage. Uh, Yoga instructors who want to run retreats or have big events. Mm -hmm. Um, People in the arts industry who want to get people together to talk about how they could either make more money or connect. Uh, Women, people, men in the beauty industry who mm-hmm. want to start to make a ripple in that and get people together, teaching them maybe how to make more money or best practices or how to lean on each other. Um, people who want to run a mastermind. Uh, my God, I mean, it could be people who already work in corporate America, but want to create something within their industry, within mm-hmm. their company to get people together. Maybe you want to start your first retreat at your company and you want to pitch it to your boss and you want to say that you want to lead it. Maybe you work at some sort of fitness facility, like a, uh, for example, like a soul cycle or a cycle house, and you want to be the first person to maybe run like a mindful retreat with all of either the guests or maybe the the trainers. I mean, it is endless. You've seen me create, you've seen me create um, events out of thin air. I'm like, this is this is what needs to happen. Okay, I need to have this one week long thing or I need to have this one night dinner thing or I need a small workshop on this. Like I did this all of the time when I had a... I had a really small one-on-one personal training gym and I would just make up events on the weekends because mm-hmm. I had a free space. You guys... There are ways to negotiate free spaces everywhere or pay a really small amount or go to a yoga studio and negotiate with them and just be like, I want to try my first weekend, see if people come. What does this look like? So you can't underestimate the power of what your first event could turn into. Um, and you can't us- underestimate the power of events because it will not only... It's it's not just for the people that you're thinking in your head. It is so for you if you are called for it because it's probably going to become a huge part of your business model. You don't have to make the mistakes that we made. Like the disaster stories, the loss of money, all those things. Like People are willing... You guys are willing to share all of those mistakes and how to not make them with anybody who comes. So 
save yourself the heartache and the mm-hmm. stress and the fights with your significant other or the fear of what if it doesn't like come learn the right way to do this because you apply a formula to anything and your chances increase exponentially that you're going to be way more successful than mm-hmm. if you you know try to plow through it on your own. There's no pride in figuring these things out on your own, but there's efficiency when you lock arms with other people who are already doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's the key to it. And guys, this is where, remember what we said at the beginning of this thing, the biggest trend in 2020 you'll see are events of all kinds, small, medium, and large. That's why Dean Graciosi and Tony Robbins combined together to teach it with their online program. That, but that was just all online only. Um, that is why Randy Garn said, if you don't have a piece of like an event in the experiential economy, then you're going to flatline or go backwards in your business. This is... Oh my God. Okay. Here's a hack that I've been holding back that I haven't told anyone. Whoever puts themselves on a mini tour, we'll go to five cities, 10 cities, put 40, 50, 60, 100 people in each room at a time, they're going to clean house because everyone is fighting for space online. Whoever goes old school and puts together mini events again, they're going to stand out because no one's doing it. Yeah. And people want to meet people. People want to meet people. So at the end of the day, if you know that this is you, I want to work with you. Like I'm so incredibly excited. There's going to be so much magic that happens in that room, not just about, you know, being able to learn how to do events. It's going to finally feel like you are becoming the person that you know you are meant to be. You actually get to be held in this insanely loving, supportive room and you get to find and feel and step into and become the best version of yourself. So you don't have to wait. You literally don't have to wait. It's here for you. If this, like, honestly, I remember when I got that email that Jack Canfield had this, mm-hmm. I knew I was doing it. I was like, there's no other way. I've never heard of this before. I'm not going to miss this opportunity. So I didn't. And it changed my entire life. And you know what? It's changed thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of other people's lives. And that's the truth. By me taking the step and facing my worst fears of my life and just doing it. And and, you were afraid to tell me, remember? Oh, so afraid. Just doing it has changed. So don't neglect your higher self. Don't neglect all of the people who are meant to hear your message and be changed by you and are praying for you. And please, for the love, do not turn away from the gifts that you were given because you're afraid or you don't know how. So where did they go read about the event and check it out and register? So you guys, you can go to eventlove, E-V-E-N-T-L-U-V, eventluv.com. And you can go and check everything out there. We are staying in the most stunning hotel. It's going to be the most incredible time. It's in Arizona. It's in Phoenix, Arizona. And it's literally going to be game-changing. Eventlove, L-U-V. Yep. Eventlove, L-U-V.com. Go check it out. Now, it's going to be very small. It's going to be a very limited number mm-hmm. of seats because Super you guys intimate. are doing so much hands-on and so, hands so much on. like train the trainer and putting them on stage. Like and all you that will too. work with me and yep. Lindsay at one point. All, yep. So because it's so small, well, I guess by the time the podcast gets out there, <laughs> and mm-hmm. by the time you talk about social media a little bit, the spots are going to go quick. So if you're listening to this and if you're curious about this, hurry, literally hang up right now and go to eventloveluv.com. All right, so Lori, I'm really proud of you for putting this out there. You're kind of picking up where some other people, you know, they don't have these trainings anymore. And there was a, a big missing space. And, and people like you, where you learned from somebody else, that wasn't going to happen unless you and Lindsay took the time out of your schedules to put this together. So I'm proud of you guys. 
Oh man. Well, this was a big leap. And I think that, you know, in the beginning, we're feeling exactly like how you guys probably feel. So, and you just go full faith because I know it's exactly what is needed and we've been asked for it. So here we go. I love it. All right. I ask everybody at the end of my show, a signature question. You've answered it before. I'm curious what you say today. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success? Mm, Because I think success follows fulfillment. So you should really be just unapologetic about being fulfilled. Ooh. Oh, I like it. I haven't heard that answer before. Well, that there you go. I, I, God, I can't drop this mic. It's hooked on to something. Yeah, don't, please don't. That's expensive mic, mic smash? No, please don't do a mic smash. Okay. Well, I want to take this opportunity to tell you know whatever quadrillion listeners there are, I love you and I appreciate you. And these are my favorite episodes. Hmm. I, oh, I thought you were talking to your listeners. <laughs> no, well, I love them too. But you, babe. I was like, I wow, you. that was really heartfelt. I didn't know you got that mushy with no, your listeners. I love you. Oh, I love, I love you. Too, but... I love you more. <laughs> no, I, I get the last more. word. <laughs> more. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.